Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Single Minded, where we're flipping the script on being single. I am your host, Hannah First. And I am your co-host, Linda. And you're also my mum. Oh, and I'm your mum. <laughs> we're recording this on our first day back in lockdown. So we thought we would share some of our, and look, we may be out of lockdown by the time this comes out on Thursday, Cross but fingers. we may not be because knowing Melbourne and Melbourne lockdowns. It may continue. It may be six weeks, 12 weeks. No, 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 no. There's a lot of sort of really, really popular Netflix shows that everyone watches like Bridgerton and Emily in Paris and and everyone talks about them and watches them. But I think there's some really underrated TV shows that people may not have watched. Mm. And I think you've got a few too, haven't you, I do, I do. I have three. I've chosen a real mix of shows, but I wanted to start with a couple of relevant to dating. So Catastrophe is a show on Stan and that's about what happens when you end up pregnant after a one-night stand. It's really funny. The other one is Game Face, also on Stan. And it, it was written and stars the sex worker from Afterlife. Oh, yes. Loved her. Love Afterlife. <laughs> she is single in her 30s and just a complete and utter mess. Oh, I'd probably The like other that. one is The Flight Attendant on Binge. I don't know that a lot of people have seen this, but she is also an absolute mess and it's it's like a – how would you describe it? It's like a, a dark comedy Sort of dark comedy. Mystery. We started watching it together in Brunswick Heads. Yeah, you gave up. And then I gave up, but you liked it. I loved it. Okay, so next on to – this one is a bit more – uh, it's like a deeper, more spiritual show, but I think you've seen this, Mum, because you recommended it to me. It's Enlightened and it's on Binge. Oh, with it's an oldie but a goodie with Laura Dern. How would you describe it? She's, she's pretty self-destructive. Yeah, totally. Yes. And, and she has she, a mental that's she right. has a mental breakdown at work and she works in beauty. And then <laughs> she goes to like that wellness centre and it's very Thailand. That so. was great, that series. Was it only two? Yeah, only two seasons. And yeah, I think they amazing. should have extended it. Same. So so going back to a few oldies, I love Fowder. You think the main guy is really hot? No. Just let me get to it. Okay. <laughs> it follows an elite Israeli special forces unit, features a bald, slightly pudgy guy called Doron, who has a sexy five o'clock shadow, a big scar on his forehead, and he seems to bed a lot of the women on the show, and I may have had a crush on him. Yeah, you yeah. said I had to watch it because you thought mm, I would think he's hot. He was very sexy. Sexy, okay. That's on Netflix. Yep. Then my next one is Rami. Oh, love. Which I don't know that many people have actually seen it because no one really talks about it on Instagram, but it's so amazing. So Rami is like a first-generation Egyptian-American and he's a Muslim, but he's also being morally tested, being sort of brought up as a millennial in America. Yes, that one's on show. Stan. The next one is Dairy Girls. It's on Netflix and it's Really, really funny, but it's also quite serious because it's set in Northern Ireland in the 90s, which do you know much about that? I can't even well describe to you. Briti yes. It's like British Army. Do you know what I mean? There. Yes. Yes. So Rake, which is also on Netflix, and I think it's also on Stan. Oh, my God. It is the best Australian TV series that was ever made. There's five series. Wow, that's a lot to get through. He is just a crazy 
sex, drugs, gambling, but he's also like a barrister. So it's a really nice mix of the law, but also his crazy life. Well, that is our wrap up of the TV shows that we love that you probably haven't seen. So today I'm interviewing Shaney Silver. She's a writer from New York and she is similar to this podcast, changing the narrative around being single. So let's get into the interview. So Shaney Silver is a writer and the host of the podcast, A Single Serving, and she is also the writer behind her Single Girl Syllabus, which is a reading list for feeling better about being alone. And I cannot recommend this syllabus highly enough. I'll be linking it in the episode notes. So I just wanted to do a bit of an introduction from that syllabus. This is obviously the cut down version. So she's 38 and she's been single for 12 years. She is not ashamed or upset about that. She wants to change the stigma around single women and she believes single women deserve far more than dating content, which is exactly why I am doing this podcast. So I've been reading all your articles and I just feel like we're the same person and I really want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. (laughs) So I started this podcast to flip the script on being single because I actually love being single and I love my alone time and traveling alone and everyone that listens knows that about me. Even if I met someone, I would still want to spend at least a month or two in Thailand every year alone. I'd love to hear more about you, what you do for work and what sort of made you want to start this crusade to remove the shame around being single. Sure. Uh, Well, professionally, I am a writer and podcaster and that, that career is definitely a long time coming. I spent many, many years in the startup space, uh, just sort of climbing an endless ladder upwards to, I wasn't really sure where. And then when I figured out that what I love to do was this, I just put as many changes in place as I needed to, to be able to do what I love. So now I get to create things for single women and I get to write whatever I want. And it is a privilege and a joy that I worked for for a really long time. What made me want to start doing this was I think like time and exhaustion kind of bubbled up to a point that I couldn't contain them anymore. I think in the single world, the negativity and shame around being single and maybe the, you know, the societal push toward partnership and push toward marriage, Mm -hmm. that's maybe okay if you're single for a year. Mm. But when you're single for 10 of them in a row, it's so exhausting. And you just Mm -hmm. keep thinking, when is it my turn to not be ashamed anymore, to be accepted by people that I love or just by casual passersby? Like, when is it when is it done? When do I get to have this blind acceptance and approval and in addition, you know, love and companionship? When when is that happening? And it just never did. And I thought there had to be more purpose to my life than swiping. Mm. I just stopped I stopped buying in to the notion that my only purpose here was just to find someone before my real life could actually start. I couldn't do it anymore. So I had to find a way out of being miserably single that did not involve finding a partner. And I did. And once I did that, I just wanted to bring everyone with me because I've been the lowest kind of single sad you can be. And I was there for a decade. And so if I can climb out of that hole, I just want to bring as many people as I can with me because there's so much waiting on the other side and you don't have to meet someone first to to come over here. Mm. 
it's just everything that we're told in society that you're not complete. Your life's not complete without that. Exactly. We're never told anything different. Like why would we think that being single could ever be awesome? We've never been told that ever. Mm. So like, it's not even, it's not even on our radar. It took me, it took me 10 years to even entertain the idea. So we don't have a lot of encouragement to think of being single as anything, but something awful. Do you think you enjoy, uh, like, I know this is my experience. I enjoy dating more now that I'm not putting pressure on myself to meet someone. I'll tell you this. I wouldn't know because I haven't done a lot of dating uh, (laughs) since I really changed my perspective. I sort of wiped my life clean of the dating apps. And then about a year after that, there was a global pandemic. So, uh, and I don't really believe in, in actively dating during a global pandemic, which is still very active where I live (laughs) in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't know. What I can tell you is I feel so much calmer about the idea of men now. Mm. It's a different thing. Like there have been a couple of times I've talked to to guys, like a friend of mine, like set me up on like a Zoom chat with someone just to just to chat with a person that she thought I might be compatible with. And going into it, I was just like, it was so not a big deal. And afterward, it was so not a big deal. And before that wouldn't have been the case. I would have had all these stories in my head that I was telling myself, you know, before, during, and after. It just wasn't there. And now I don't think about dating in terms of like, God, I don't know when I'm going to meet someone. It's more like, I don't know when I'm going to meet someone. And it's mm. exciting. It's like, I, I look forward to that instead of needing that to happen, if that makes sense. I was reading one of your articles and I think you were like, as a single person, you always have to feel like you're doing stuff because you said you never know. I so relate to that. I'm like, if I stay home, I won't meet someone. Like, you never know. Mm-hmm. You could meet the love of your life and you don't. You never do. You don't. And that's okay. <gasps> it's okay that you never do. Totally. I think we assign a secondary goal to normal activities all the time, like going to the gym, going to the store, going to meet a friend, going to a party, leaving the house for any reason as single women, we're taught to treat all of those moments as an opportunity to meet someone. And then we just are constantly disappointed when we don't meet someone. But if we hadn't assigned the secondary goal to the activity, the activity would have been a success. Like <laughs> pose these secondary goals on activities all the time. We get to just live. You're right. There is nothing wrong with us. We get to just live and we get to just you know, be a person in the world who at some point in time will meet someone. And I know it's like a little weird to say that out loud because you have to have an immense trust and like fate and the universe and luck and whatever it is, which I do. But if anyone listening Mm. doesn't have that yet, I can tell you that it just, it comes with, with practice and time. What do you think shifted? Cause it was 10 years. And then a couple of years ago, something changed, something shifted. What do you think changed? What like in that moment in time was like, I'm done. This is bullshit something broke. Something Mm. was completely worn out and it just snapped. And I heard the phrase, what's not serving you? Someone asked me to take a look at what in my life was no longer serving me. And the very Mm. first thing that came into my mind was dating because in 10 years, it never had. Not once. I, I online dated for 10 years and I didn't have one relationship result from it, but I kept doing it because that's where they tell you, you'll find a boyfriend. Mm. And I looked at my whole life and I could see some level of service in everything I was doing. There was a purpose for everything I was doing except dating. 
it wasn't giving me anything positive at all. It was only taking from me. And it was only bringing me lower and lower and lower and lower. So I deleted the dating apps two years ago, almost to the day today. It was like a week ago. Amazing. Um, two years ago, I wiped my phone clean of dating apps and I never re-downloaded them again. And I had I had re-downloaded God dozens of times in that decade, but this was yeah. the first time they were gone and I could see so much more light that I was letting into my life because they were missing. It was it was a beautiful mm. moment. You've mentioned one of your top values is freedom and I'm exactly the same. I did I actually did a whole episode on freedom and I interviewed a woman that was like single until her late 30s and she just was like if you're going on dates don't compromise that part of yourself be really open about that's what's important to you because I had had people telling me stop talking about how independent you are that you like to do things on your own because that's not going to attract the right person so what does freedom mean to you everything my freedom is just, it's very physically important to me. I have a lot of anxiety whenever I don't feel free, whenever I don't feel like I have agency over my decisions, over what's happening. A pandemic was really tough. So there's a lot of practical applications of freedom, but there are also more emotional ones. There are, it's the more I focus on my freedom, the less likely I am to change who I am for someone else. My freedom is inherent in my personality. And the person who was talking to you was right. Like you talking about how much your independence and freedom matter to you, you're creating a very natural filter because anyone that has the problem with that mm. would not want to be with you and you would not want to be with them either. So I love those little natural filters that we create just by being honest, just by being ourselves. Mm. I'm going to have to communicate that my freedom means a lot to me to whoever I'm going to be with. And that is, I mean, that is top to bottom freedom, doing what I want, when I want, making decisions. Like I, can you imagine like having to get someone else to buy in on what you watch on Netflix? Mm -hmm. Like, are you no. kidding me? I'm going to press play. <laughs> if you don't want to watch it, there's another television in the other room. Like that's how that's going to go. Just being able to be unapologetically who I am and authentically who I am and trusting that who I authentically am will draw in the people who are right for me to be with is um, mm -hmm. it's a big trust moment, but it's one that has served me far better than constantly thinking that something is wrong with me or I need to be like someone else or like a different mm -hmm. kind of person to get boys to like me that I wasted years, years thinking that, that I was inherently wrong. Mm. And so you talk a lot about, I guess, the stigma and shame around being single. Why do you think there is so much of that shame around, particularly people like us who have been single longer term? Um, I don't know the exact origins of single shame. I'm guessing patriarchy, if I had to guess. I, I would guess. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really know how we affect other people. <laughs> So much. I really don't understand why there is any stigma or shame around single women, particularly single women who have been single a long time or well into their 30s, 40s, or 50s. Our singleness doesn't affect anyone. It really has no impact on anyone whatsoever, but it's seen with such a negative. And when we get phrases like, oh, I just want you to be happy. And we are. So I don't know where mm. that's coming from, but I think I am happy. Right. <laughs> Yeah. The shame, I think, 
the petty answer in me is they're jealous, but I don't always mm. think that that's true. I, I don't think that people are necessarily jealous of single people if they haven't really experienced single happiness yet. How would they know to be jealous of us? Yeah. Once you do know how nice this is, <laughs> hell yeah, you should be jealous because it's phenomenal. But when you're not, I don't know. I think it's it was bred into them and it was bred into their parents and it was bred into their grandparents. This is just the way we've always viewed single people. We've always viewed mm. single, well, I'm sorry, the way we've always viewed single women. We've always viewed mm. them as failures, as defective in some way. There's something wrong with them. They're lacking something. How sad for them. And it's, it's just kind of the way things have always been. So that's why I spend mm. so much of my time challenging that because if it's never been challenged for you, why would you think anything different? I don't blame society for shaming single women. I just want them to hear me when mm. I ask them to stop. I think for me, the thing that I grew up with, and this is the thing that I've grappled with this year was, okay, you either get married, have babies, or you have to crush your career or yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> it's either or, or or even better, you can do it all. You can do both. This year I've completely changed the way that I work and I'm still single and I was like, I don't really want either right now. I, I don't want to be super, super stressed in my career all the time and I also am not ready to have a relationship or children. So I feel that that is a lot of the stigma that I feel is around the fact that I'm not choosing either of the like well-worn paths that have been set for us as women. You've kind of flipped the script for yourself on being single. Do you have any like practical advice for other women that aren't quite where you're at in their journeys? Sure. Yeah. First of all, it's a really personal journey. And if you're not ready to hear this stuff yet, if you're not ready to integrate this stuff yet, that's fine. You don't have to be. <laughs> uh, when you're ready, the internet is there for you. <laughs> I wouldn't rush it. One thing I have learned in this line of work is you can't tell this stuff to somebody who's not ready to hear it. I wasn't ready to hear it for a decade. So I have no no shame on anyone who's not ready to change their mindset around being single or even entertain the idea that this is a life you can love. We have a really bad superstition as single women. There is a horrible superstition that if you suddenly like become happy being single or like accept being single or think of it as anything other than horrible, that's somehow communicating to the universe that you don't want a partner, which is utter <laughs> nonsense. It's not a thing. That's literally not a thing. I would argue the opposite. The more content and calm and confident and joyous and happy you are, that's somebody I want to be with. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, I just find that to be much more magnetic than than single misery. But no, I think if you're not ready to hear it, you're not ready to hear it forgive yourself. I forgive you. Not a big deal. Uh, but if you are, <laughs> if you are ready to not feel terrible all the time, I would suggest taking every little negative single thought you have, whenever they pop up, whenever you're triggered in any way, write them down. Write down whatever mm -hmm. the negative thought is, and we're going to baby step it and we're going to practice. We're not going to think we have to change overnight like magic. Just take your time and practice whatever that negative thought is just flip it to its inverse and try to think that instead and practice that thought until you feel it for real. Like this, I give really simple examples for this. Like for example, I used to think I hate sleeping alone. And now I think I get the whole bed. Mm. It's the same thing that's happening. I'm just thinking about it from a different angle or like I hate cooking for one person becomes I always get to choose what I eat. Like, I don't have to get anyone mm. else's buy-in on this. I get to do whatever I want. Take the, the situation and see it from the other side. That's all I've done with singlehood in general. 
I've seen singlehood mm. from another perspective. I'm still the same single person I was before. I'm just happier now that I see things from a different mindset and a different perspective. I love that. <laughs> I was I was online the other night last night. I was about to buy one of those body pillows. Because mm-hmm. I love the bed to my own, but I like to cuddle a pillow. And I was like, this is perfect for me. Yeah. I dislike sleeping in a bed with someone so much that I actually don't know if I can do that now. I just love the bed to myself. I sleep so much better. I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to get the biggest bed that they make where you have to like special order your sheets. I want the biggest bed on the planet. King singles is a good idea. My mom said she's looking into king singles for her and my dad because they have different body temperatures. She's like, I get so hot and he's cold. So we're going to get king singles. (gasps) There's, have we got to normalize more ways to live? I mean, seriously, we can have separate beds. It's fine. Like that doesn't mean you don't love each other. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get on to why you love being single. So in one of your articles, you said, oh, this was just like goosebumps me. The fun part of being single is no different than the fun part of living life any other way. The fun part is what makes you happy, what gives you purpose. You'll never convince me that married people have more purpose in being alive than I do. I just think that, you know, when single women message me on Instagram about feeling shitty about being single, I always say that there's not one path in life that leads to happiness. And I kind of want to know from you, like, what is the best parts about being single? Oh, there's so many. I love that question. I love that it's so hard for me to answer that question because I can't ever I can't ever narrow it down. I would say I'm never anxious because I've put someone else first. Have you ever traveled with someone or gone on a trip with someone and you're anxious the whole time because you just want them to be having a good time. And if they're not having a good time, you can't have a good time. And then it leads to Mm -hmm. so much stress and like fighting and arguing and like you get lost and it's the worst and whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting anyone else first. So I'm not Mm -hmm. anxious about that person's well-being or that person's happiness or making sure that person is okay. And that's one of my challenges to work on is making sure that even when I am with people, their happiness is not my responsibility. I have that hill to climb. But I don't have to do that most of the time because it's just me. It's just a time where I get to figure out what I like, what I want to do, where I want to go, how I want to live, how I want to work, how I want to nest around my own home, especially in the last year. Like It's just the, the personalization of my life didn't exist until a few years ago because I was living a life that was temporary. I was living a life that was going to change, right? As soon as I met someone and got married, I was it was all going to change. I took it to such deep, dark places. Like I wouldn't buy a decent couch because I thought when I moved in with somebody, we would get a nice couch. That's lunacy. Like buy mm. the couch, man. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like I was living a temporary life. I'm not anymore. This is a perfectly valid, like do you know how many actions people take because they don't want to like purchase something for themselves that they'll put on a registry one day? Like what's the worst mm. that could happen? You have two blenders, like live, <laughs> just like live, just let it go, be free and live. That's, I, I just live more fully. I live far more fully than I ever did. 
I bought myself the most expensive blender over lockdown. Nice. I'm so happy. I didn't I would never even think like this could be on a registry. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do though. A lot of people are like, this is a temporary life. This is not real. Yeah. This is just in the meantime. This is a temporary apartment. Yep. This is temporary furniture. This is like a temporary city, even. Like you never know. If we have this picture that life doesn't really begin until you're partnered, mm. because that's the picture we were fed. So there's there's all kinds of actions that I was holding myself back from because I thought that my life wasn't real yet. And I have mm. since acknowledged that my life is extremely real. And now it is so <laughs> much more like chilled out and happy and full and interesting. And something I, I always tell single women to do is to follow their curiosity. You have more freedom today and more time today, more ability today to do whatever you want than you ever will in the future. Like at some point, if we want to be partnered, we're going to be. That's just my belief. Like if you want mm-hmm. a partner, eventually you will have one. But if you don't today, you are the most free you have ever been and will ever be. So take that mm-hmm. time, follow your curiosity, you know, learn a new language, start a new side hustle, live where you want to live, travel where you want to travel. Like I think I have a fear that we will wait until we're married to love single life. And I don't want that for Mm. us. I want us to love it now. I don't want us to wake up one day partnered and think that we misspent this time. Mm. Oh, and and you go to Paris every year alone. What do you love about traveling solo? Oh my God, everything, everything. (laughs) I'm so nervous about traveling with someone in the future. Like I'm always going to go to Paris alone. That's always going to be a thing. And Mm -hmm. he can like meet me for the last leg of the trip. Maybe we like, you know, meet in Prague after I'm done. I don't know, but I'm always going to do it because it's, it's the most indulgent, wonderful exploratory time. Like I, it's a fantasy. Mm. It is living a fantasy because every moment of every day, looks exactly how I want it to look. I do exactly what I want to do. I'm in Paris. Like, come on. It's mm. why would that ever be bad? I'm missing it so deeply. I haven't, I couldn't go in 2019 because I moved mm. apartments that year. And it was, it's very expensive in Brooklyn to, to move into a new place. So I couldn't, there was no budget to travel. So I actually haven't been to Paris since 2018 because then 2020 came and there was a pandemic. Mm. So it's been two years and I haven't been, it's looking like I won't go in 2021 either, unless there's some like miracle and I can go in the fall, but I'm missing it because it's a part of me. It's a part of the wonderful like world I've spun up for myself. And it feels like there's something missing because I can't do what I love, but I'm safe and healthy. And, you know, I'd rather have that. One of the things that I love is I really like holiday romances because there's no, there's legitimately no way that you can end up together. (laughs) Like you live in opposite sides of the world. Are you much of a holiday romance person? It's never happened. It's never happened. But that's another argument for not putting that secondary goal on solo travel. I never go into it with that intention. If it happens, mazel, like that'd be great. Yeah. But it's never happened because like, I don't, it's not on my agenda. Like I'm an Mm. obsessive planner. Every hour of my days in (laughs) Paris are planned. Like that's one of my personality traits and I don't have to apologize for it because I'm traveling alone. No. But that's never a thing. Like I've never been on a train and met someone. I've never been in a restaurant Mm. and had someone come up to me that wasn't super creepy. (laughs) It just hasn't happened. And I would love it if it didn't. I think that that would be a delight. But the fact that it hasn't doesn't make my my solo traveling complete. No. But yeah, if it did, I think that that would be so much fun. I mean, 
that sounds amazing. I wonder what that's like, but I don't, um, yeah. Paris 2022. Right? Oh my God. So much fun. It, and that's the other thing. Like I used to try to learn Paris, learn Paris, learn French mm. so that I could flirt overseas. <laughs> so hard. It's so hard. And I've talked to like bartenders before and like, you can tell that we want to talk to each other more, but we've hit the wall. Like his English mm. is exhausted. My French is exhausted. And we're just like, well, there's nothing else we can do yeah. now. But mm. those moments have been very funny and, and adorable. Mm. Well, that is all the time we have today. I could chat for <laughs> hours with you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I'm overjoyed that you are enjoying my work. That means so much to me. So Linda, what did you think? It's actually made me really think about this topic because a lot of people ask me, is Hannah still single or has Hannah met anyone? And I feel yeah. obliged to say, well, she's dating but no one in particular and I feel like I should be making excuses for why you haven't found a partner. I don't know why. Mm. But from now on, I'm actually yes. going to say, yes, Hannah is single, happy, and living her best life. So it's really changed my perspective. And also on me feeling awkward. Why should I feel awkward? I can't believe people do that. Constantly. Constantly saying, has Hannah met someone? Like, I'm not complete until correct, I meet someone. Correct. Now I've got a new perspective on it. Do you feel in your heart of hearts that people aren't complete until they meet someone? I think in having had a long relationship that it is... I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I'm happy I met someone and that we've had a life together and had children, of course, yes. But I've got a couple of single friends in their 50s who have never married, never had children. They haven't dated for many years. They're not actively looking to find partners. Yep. Do they live fruitful, happy lives with lots of social activities and fulfilled careers? Yes. So there's not just one way to live. Yep. That's my take on it. Oh, someone's growing up, Linda. I am. And you know what else? Instead of, you know, every time you say you're going to go on a walking date or this date, yeah. and I used to sit there crossing my fingers going, oh, I hope he's the one, and now I have completely let it go. Seriously, I've let oh. it go following doing this potty. Oh, I'm so glad. Mm. Maybe single girls should share this episode with their mums to try and change their perspectives on why you don't have to meet someone, no. why you can be totally right. okay on your own. Shani mentioned that being single means she can choose what she eats, gets the whole bed to herself, which you'd appreciate, <laughs> and watches what she likes on Netflix. I actually have friends who go into separate rooms to watch their own show, but there's a word called compromise. Uh. As difficult as that can be, eventually Dad and I will agree on a show, even if it takes half an yeah. hour to get there. And compromise <laughs> is really all the time when you're in a relationship and it does cause a bit of bickering, mm. as you know. Yes, I do. One of the worst ones is what route are we going to walk in the morning, seriously? <laughs> Aldi or Coles? And then at the <laughs> supermarket, I've got this terrible habit of queering everything Dad puts in the trolley, which I, I have to stop. But that's that's what happens when you're in a relationship. Yeah, well, you can be completely selfish when you're single. Like, I just love that on the weekends I can do whatever I want. I really do. Like, I can't imagine having to make a decision with someone else about mm. what to do. Mm. 
So I think there's plus and minuses of both. I think the grass is always greener because people that have been married for a really long time might, you know, or people that have been single want to be coupled up and people that are coupled up want a bit of freedom. It's sort of like maybe the grass is always greener. I agree. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you all enjoyed the interview. I certainly did. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and share with your friends. It really helps other people to discover us. Cool. Cool. Bye, Linda. Bye. (laughs) If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.